Hi, I'm Peter Anthony. And I'm Steve Angel. You're listening to Men With Spirit. Join us as we explore what it means to be a modern man and to live a spirited life. I'll let you know. Can you, can you, well, can you let me know? I yeah. can see you. No. Right. Welcome to this 10th episode of Men With Spirit at Radio Karam. If you're, li- if you're listening to us live, you already know that you can listen to the show via the Radio Karam app at 4pm on Thursdays. And I must say, it's great to be back after a two-week break. Uh, you can also grab uh, the podcast versions of, the versions of the show with or without our selected music within a day or so of the show. And uh, all you need to do is look for the Radio Karam, uh, look for Radio Karam on your favourite uh, podcast platform. In these episodes, uh, Steve and I and uh, our guests uh, explore what it means to be a man today. We look at the issues that can prevent men from fully showing up in the relationships that matter most to them. And we delve further into the work we do at our weekly Men With Spirit men's meet uh, men's group meetings where we encourage men to get out of their heads and into their hearts steve it's great to be back how are you mate and what did you get up to whilst uh, uh we had this break for two weeks oh thanks pete yes it is great to be back it's great to see you here um yeah look i'm I'm glad we've got another episode on the way. Ten, I can't believe that. That's <laughs> goes quickly. Go. I thought we couldn't last. Yes, thought we wouldn't last. Um, t- look, I I've had a great couple of weeks. Um, it's been unusually warm here, so that means that a lot of time spent outdoors, um, out in the courtyard, enjoying coffees with my wife. Um, spending. And you've got a great little playing. spot for that too, mate. Yeah, yeah, courtyard. Thank you very much. Yeah, and um, just a bit of renovating and then spending time with family with Easter in the middle of it as well. So it's been a really kind of uh, very local. I haven't, we didn't go anywhere in particular. We spent a lot of time catching up with family and friends. So I really enjoyed that. What about yourself? What did you do? Uh, Slightly different. I did have a bit of a break and went down to Gippsland for uh, some R&R. Since we were last on air, what uh, was it now? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I've lost track of time. I've been in the hospital again, but that's all worked out okay. But uh, oh, that's right. I've, I've seen I've seen enough of Frankston Hospital for a while, I must admit. But uh, all all going well, and we were going to ask Marcus what he got up to, but we're having a few uh, problems with some of the sound relays, so he can't join us in person um, in terms of talking. But he did tell us before the show he had a great time, visited family up in Canberra, mm. and. Um, had a great time up there with lovely weather and lovely weather when he got back here. So, uh, yeah, so that's um, what we've been up to. Now, what we'd like to do for this show as, as a special topic, it's um, the topic is conflict, its aftermath and its resolution. And the catalyst for this program, Steve, as you well know, was Anzac Day this week. That's right. And our desire to um, remember and pay our respects to those who have served and who are currently serving in our nation's defence and the um, varied and ongoing consequences 
of involvement in conflicts of various kinds. And I think the, um, the current Russian war with the Ukraine adds, uh, what shall we say, a heightened sense of foreboding. Mm. But we want to look at the, the topic of conflict more broadly than just war. Um, perhaps I can just explain where I'm coming from on all of this, uh, just to make it clear that as a general principle, I don't support war as a way of resolving our differences. I was against the Vietnamese war or the Vietnam war. Uh, or if you go to Vietnam, they call it, of course, the American war. Um, but that does not mean I do not honor those who have served. Um, in fact, I make a point of always attending the Anzac and Remembrance Day services. Um, and being in Gippsland this week, I was saying to Marcus before the program started that uh, I attended a, a little um, service at a small town uh, in Gippsland uh, the other day, and that was very moving just hearing the story of one of the servicemen from the First World War. But I've also been a member of the CFAT RSL sub branch for a number of years, and uh, as I was also, also explaining to Marcus, uh, those that have been to an RSL on of an evening would know that each night at six o'clock there's a lest we forget service, and uh, <laughs> I think I'm the only one in the in the whole place that has to wipe my eyes crying uh, just listening to the service that's done each night. I, I'm a real sucker for just remembering those and who have served and what they've been through. But my um, deceased or now deceased uncle was very actively involved in the RSL and. When I was much uh, younger, I used to march with him on Anzac Day parades. Uh, and years ago, we weren't meant to do it, but I did. And I proudly wore my um, deceased relatives' medals. But I've had uh, many relatives and friends have served in uh, lots of different conflicts since World War One, including the Pacific, um, New Guinea in World War Two, uh, the occupation of Japan, the Korean War, through to Vietnam. And my great uncle, Frank Dwyer, was awarded the Military Medal for his bravery under fire on the Western Front during World War I. But I'd have to say, um, on all the people I've known or know of, without exception, there were ongoing consequences from what they each experienced. And when I reflect on their sacrifice and what they endured Endured, um, during and after the service, it, it often does move me to tears. And the unfortunate thing is these problems for ex-servicemen continue. I, in preparation for this show, I had a word to um, a friend who is a very experienced counsellor, and she currently provides a lot of uh, counselling support for veterans and their families through the Open Arms program. And she reiterated that there was a, a real, uh, really extensive need for these support services in our community, which is a, a real shame. Um, look, I'll get you to share your perspective, Steve, in a minute um, and your personal story. But um, first, I'd like to pause and share our first song. Now, what regular listen listeners to the program would know is that Music is an important part of our programs and we want to encourage people to join us in feeling what we're discussing as much as contemplating the content of what we discuss each week. And for this reason, 
we'd encourage you to listen to the show live or listen to the full unedited podcast versions of each of the programs. And the links to those are available available via the Men With Spirit Facebook page. Um, a lot of today's program is about feeling and feeling the anguish and consequences of war and conflicts of various time, uh, types. So the first song we'd like to share for this special program is the 1965 song by Donovan called Universal Shot Soldier. And over to you, Marcus, to wind it up. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC. And when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy. Okay, welcome back. You're listening to Men With Spirit on Radio Karam with me, Steve Angel, and Peter Anthony. And we're discussing today conflict, its aftermath, and resolution. And you were just listening to Universal Soldier by Donovan. Um, you know, Pete, I've listened to that song several times now, and uh, there's a there's a sense in this. There's a there's a very strong message in this song, and that is that when it comes down to it, we're all the same. It doesn't matter who we who we are fighting for or against. We are, are the same people, and we're almost fighting against ourselves. And as soldiers. Mm. There's even more this, without soldiers, these governments that send them to war actually don't have anyone to do their dirty work in, in oh, essence. Apparently. Well, yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a power in the soldier. If the soldier would recognise that, that if they didn't go to war, then these wars couldn't happen. But there's also the other side of that and that there's a lot of pride in going to war for many people, the protection of the country, protection mm -hmm. of their way of life. Mm -hmm. And that message is very alluring and is very um, um, strong. Mm. And, and I think it's one that is, can be strongly manipulated as well. Uh, what do you think? I mean, what do you get yeah, from that? Message, look, from that absolutely. I think, uh, as you say, without soldiers, there is no, uh, the only thing that is happening of late that really does worry me is this um, uh, use of artificial intelligence and robotics and all this sort of thing to have uh, uh, you know, machines basically fighting war, which I think that's a, a dreadful uh, outcome. Mm. So it, it removes the need to have uh, large armies if you do that. So, But the power lies with the people and with the soldiers to say, and it's interesting, I think in the... Um, you always got to take these reports with a grain of salt, but I gather in the um, in the current conflict in the Ukraine, there were certainly reports of um, Russian Russian soldiers um, refusing to fight, that sort of thing. So, again, the power is with the soldiers, uh, but the whole training of soldiers is is to get them to just follow orders and not to question why are we doing this. So it's it's a big big topic, um, and as you say it can be manipulated but at the end of the day is we rely on our soldiers to defend us as a country or our service servicemen and women so it's, we do. Uh, it's a complex it's a complex problem 
Yeah, it is a very complex problem because I, there's this idea that to get peace, I mean, peace is an absence of war, which many would define what that is, which therefore means that we do, do we need war in order to experience peace? Um, but I think, I think it's more complex than that, really. I think that what we really are, we've got to really understand is why are we going to war? Mm. Mm. Why are That's we going right. to war? Yeah. It's, um, I shared some of my background in terms of history with regard to Anzac Day and ser um, servicemen in the family. Would you like to share some of your background, Steve, and what do you experience as a family and, and, and what yeah. Anzac Day means to you in, in that context? Yeah. Um, well, see, I have a back. My, my family are part Palestinian and part Egyptian. So for my family, um, war came in the form of the 1948 war when the country of Palestine then became the country of Israel and displaced a whole lot of people. Um, my father, uh, his sister and his brother, his parents fled Palestine at the time and went over to Egypt so that they could just have some uh, some safety, basically, just leave leave the, the, the conflict. But thought that if they moved to um, Egypt under the instruction of their own parents for safety, then they could come back after the, the conflict was over and resume their life. Little did they know what would happen in between that period of time. What they end up finding was that once once the conflict was over, that they had lost their land, they had lost their, their money and their assets. There was nothing for them to come back to. So they found themselves as refugees in Egypt. Um, and that posed a whole lot of different problems for themselves. Uh, for themselves, Obviously, there was, it's a different country with different religious beliefs. And, and also they felt, them, they felt that kind of displacement, which caused a lot of anger in them, which is something that you were referring to a little bit before, you know, with, our, with your friend, the counsellor, who, who deals with the problems of, of war. It also happens to civilians as well. And in my mm -hmm. case, with my family, it was as, you know, and there was a lot of hatred that was, that was aimed towards the British. And there's a lot of hatred towards those uh, who were Israelis. And, and the Jewish faith, because they felt that they were to blame for their position. And as a child, as a young child, I was born here. Uh, I was born and raised in Australia, so it didn't affect me, but I felt the pain and the anger that they had lived with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about generational kind of pain and trauma that comes through, it's through these stories and the pain that these families hold that they pass on to the next generation. And I know I have relatives and their stories back in Egypt, back in 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 Palestine and Israel, where that that hatred is perpetuated mm -hmm. all the time, you know, and so you get new generation, it's passed, down. Yeah. it's passed down, and they're fighting an enemy that they have no real anger towards or real conflict against. It happened generations ago, but the hatred and the anger still exists because it's perpetuated through the stories, you know, and also the lives that are sort of not as they believe they should have been, you know, that have been affected um, by, by this conflict. So that's, that's been my experience. And I understand how that moves through generations. There's something else I wanted to share as well. I was speaking to my wife about this topic and her grandfather was an Anzac and he, he was in, um, in Egypt and also in the Pacific. And when he got back, he was one of those Australians who, you know, lied about their age 
so mm-hmm. desperate to defend their country. He was 15 or, or so and lied about his age. So he'd get in the war. He really wanted to defend his country. He believed so greatly in doing so. Yep. Yet when he came back, he had said to his family, the one thing that he said to them over and over again is, don't go to war. Don't ever go to war. And he was somebody who desperately wanted to go and defend his country, believing it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he was also one of those, do you remember the uh, Saving Private Ryan movie? Yep. Remember it well. You know, in the scenes where they come to the beach, you know, um, I, I'm not sure what that that maneuver is called. Um, well, he did several of those, several of those, and he actually wanted to see this movie to see how accurate Steven Spielberg had depicted hmm. that, and um, and he said it was exactly like that. It was that horrific, and he did several of those. So we're talking about someone who's seen the horror of war. And that was his message back. Don't go. Yeah. And that, I think you speak to any veteran that's experienced the uh, the reality of war, and that's they will say that um, in my experience anyway. And I think with mm. my uncle I mentioned before, he um, uh, throughout in his entire life he would uh, every every week he would have episodes where he wake up in a, um, a terrible nightmare over those mm-hmm. experiences from war. And this is someone who's in their seventies and eighties. So it, um, yeah, not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, the, the, the consequences of this, of the lives on the soldiers. And like I said, even on civilians in war is devastating. And it's interesting because we're often going to war based on the narratives that are being given to us by our governments you know this is the reason why we need to go to war and so you know soldiers go and families uh, you know um give up their children to to do so and then you know there's those who are affected on the ground the civilians who are affected on the ground but then those governments leave four years later eight years later and and the consequences are, are great consequences mm. are great once their agendas are over um yeah this need for dominance that's the problem i believe at a greater level the reason for this is this need for dominance that we have and we're certainly seeing that play out uh, in different parts of the world at the moment unfortunately so um, yeah look it, it might be an appropriate point if you're happy um to play our second song it seems to relate to that subject um yeah now this song is a 1980s song by Eric Bogle, and it's entitled "And the Band Played Waltzing Matilda," and it's a very personal uh, story, very moving personal story from World War One about the conflict and its very real um, consequences. G'day everyone, I'm AC from Friday Night Frothies, also very involved in the sporting club. We're here today at the grand opening. Any opportunity I get, I'll be listening to Radio Karen. Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Men With Spirit on Radio Karen with uh, me, Peter and uh, Steve. And we're discussing conflict, its aftermath and resolution. And I'm sure you'd agree with me that was a 
the very powerful and moving personal story of the cost of war from the viewpoint of a young Australian soldier in World War I. Uh, look, uh, what I'd like to do now is uh, refer to a blog we often uh, cite here on Men with Spirit um, called The Wisdom of Crazy Horse. And we thought that this post was particularly pertinent to today's discussion. And the topic of this particular post was the most important task facing man. And what it is is follows. Over time on earth, the amount of people killed in wars is staggering. Those killed include combatants, and innocent victims. Add to those, those who have suffered through the loss of a loved one to the war and the numbers belie belief. Once every combatant, innocent victim and relative of either enters the spiritual world, they are asked if war was worthwhile. Not all answer no, it was not worthwhile. However, after they adjust to the loving, non-judgmental energy of the spiritual world, eventually all eventually say no. The origin of wars is conflict. Therefore, the art of conflict resolution is the most important task facing man, families, businesses and nations. And I suppose it was in that context, Steve, that um, we thought we'd discuss this topic, but beyond just the scope of war and look at mm -hmm. conflict more generally as it applies to uh, relationships, families, businesses, nations, and so on. Do you want to comment on that and give us your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think... I think we'd have to look at why do we have conflict um, and we can look at it from the from the, the perspective of you know nation to nation but as you know I like to look at things also from just a micro level as to you know human to human you know in relationships in workplaces and if you and if you consider what the conflict is really about is that we could say at a very basic level, there's been a disagreement, but if we look at it more closely, one party wants dominance over another party. They want a dominant, their dominance of thought. They want say dominance of, of material possession. Um, they want a dominance of energy over somebody else. And, power and, and power the lust exactly. for power if you like exactly mm. so with that with that in mind it's well, what is what is behind that why does somebody want dominance because when we do when we have that dominance over someone else what we are doing is we're also we purely focus just on the needs of one and it could be one nation or one person my needs are more important than your needs and in that obviously we you know the value of equality goes straight through the window you know it's basically just me over you 
I'm more important than you. And I think that if we look at things from that perspective, we can see that at the heart of conflict is this need for power, which, I, and one then has to question as to where does that come from? Why, why do we have that? And I think that the answer will always lie in some sort of feeling of unfairness, you know, in some unfairness in your life. And I'm sure that that will always have some origin in childhood. As a counsellor, I'm always looking for those things, you know, where do these feelings of unfairness and, and inequality uh, begin? Um, and again, and I know that this may seem um, not relevant to the bigger picture of war, but we've got to remember that people create wars. Wars mm -hmm. don't just happen from a from a, a corporation or a government. They're all made of people. And at the at the heart of that is is usually a few people that have this need and then drive this through orders and instruction and messaging that goes to war. So at the heart of everything is still an individual. Yeah, and, and those individuals, they have this, uh, let's say power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So if you've got an individual who's got control of the country, for example, and believes it was unfair that part of their country was taken away, or that mm. they no longer control that part of the country and they think that's unfair, then that gives them, in their mind, a justification for unleashing war to take back a country or a, a, an area um, of a geography that they yeah. believe belongs to them. Um, and uh, we can see that playing out in the world currently. But um, again, as you say, Steve, it gets back to the individual and their motivations and uh, the lust for power and greed and uh, all of those things as basic human um, uh, failings that result in hundreds of thousands, millions of people being killed because of these uh, failings of the individual. Their, their inability or unwillingness to compromise or to mm. seek other ways of doing things rather than resorting to violence. It's also because of the focus of just the individual you know the needs of the individual that you know and i think we're seeing this playing out you know at on a global scale of nationalism that is happening you know which is is a form of individualism into on a, on a larger scale because it's about just the needs of this particular country but if we you know that need for for only thinking of ourselves and that I think is, is one of the core problems that we have. We're not thinking about us as a collective, as a society. You know, what are the, the consequences of my decision? Yeah, and there's also the, uh, collectively, they may say, look, these other people are different from us. Uh, they have different values and beliefs to us and therefore they can't be trusted. And um, mm. we, we've got to uh, categorize them all the same and, and uh, and this whole thing of the enemy uh, aren't people, they're a class or something like that. Sort of, it's very dehumanizing at its extreme. Um, Which I guess it makes it easier. The messaging then makes it easier for, for, to get other people on board when you can dehumanize or devalue some, some another group of people or another nation as being less than you, then it seems to be more justified. Yeah, and, and the point you were making earlier in the show about that we're all the same, we're all humans on this planet. 
and it's when you get those personal stories, some of which we shared earlier in the program, those personal stories just reinforce the point that came through on the music that we are all individuals and we're, we're and if you look at person to person it helps to overcome this um uh narrative that they are different we can't trust them they're the enemy uh rather than seeing that we're all people with many yeah. things in common and look for the 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 commonalities rather than the differences and, and opportunities for compromise and, and bringing about peace rather than uh, just looking to resort to violence as a way of um, uh, achieving dominance over people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I find that um, it's it's interesting that we're doing this, um, this particular topic. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, a TV show at the moment, 1883, which is a, no, it's a prequel to a, another TV show called Yellowstone, which is oh yeah, uh, yes, it's got Kevin Costner in it, and it's about it's about um, you know basically um, settlers coming in and taking Indian land in Montana mm-hmm. um, and other for other you know Texas and, and all those areas in America and just what happens over generations and the justification for doing so, and. It's always just always a stark reminder of how, you know, in this particular story, how one particular group of people, you know, in this, you know, white, white um, Americans have come in, new settlers, frontiers, you know, who've come in and said they see a group of people like the Indians and say, well, they're primitive, they're savages, they're, their values and they're, their, they're their unequal. They're unequal. And so that justifies us displacing them as people. Yeah, and it brings um, in ego that I have more rights and what i want is more important than what uh, what you want or what your beliefs yeah. and yeah 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 it's, it's fascinating to watch and just just a reminder that this has just been going on for a very long time so something has to change indeed um look perhaps we might move on to the next song if that's okay with you um this one is uh, also a personal story of, of the reality of war and its consequences, but this time uh, the context being the Vietnam War. And this is a 1983 song by Red Gum, and it's called I Was Only 19, A Walk in the Light Green. Over to you, Marcus. Hi, everybody. This is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to... 50 kilometres an hour, and reminisces about doing the Ill Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karen and get down with the good vibes. Welcome back. You're listening to Men With Spirit on Radio Karen. I'm Steve Angel. You're here with Pete Anthony, and today we're talking about the extent of conflict in our world and what we can do to reduce it. Now you've just heard the song, I Was Only 19 by Red Gum. Powerful song. Pete, tell me, what does it make you feel when you hear that? Um, well, I, I know some uh, some guys, obviously, about my age, they went off to Vietnam, and it, it was quite traumatic. Uh, I, was, I managed not to go, but um, it just brings home the uh, fertility of the whole thing and the suffering 
that's suffered when people put into that situation. But it also um, brings to my mind the power that we the people have to say, look, you're waging this war or this conflict, whatever it happens to be, in the name of the people. And if you disagree with it, then it, it is morally um, uh, important that each of us, if we disagree, that we make our views known, because otherwise governments assume that they've got the right to do whatever, now, whether it's war or whether it's policies that you agree with or not. But it's, I think one of the characteristics of Australians is we tend to be somewhat increasingly apathetic. So I think um, if you disagree with the policy that a government's pursuing supposedly on your behalf, um, speak up. Don't just sit back and let things unfold because the consequences, you know, for example, if you have a government that's um, um, uh, beating the drums of war, if you like, and encouraging conflict for one reason or another, um, that can be extremely dangerous. And uh, if you disagree with it, I think you just need to let it be known that you're not doing this on my behalf and uh, hold the governments accountable, mm. whatever the policies happen to be. Um, but that can, that can also be dangerous for some people too, those who do speak out, uh, dissidents, and, and therefore there will be consequences to do so. Well, they can be imprisoned or they'll disappear. And certainly in uh, various totalitarian regimes around the world, we're seeing people that have the courage to stand up and say, uh, you're not doing this in my name and I disagree with it, that pay a very um, significant price for doing it. But um, if we don't and we just cow, cower in um, fear and... Uh, look, things may just get totally out of control. So I think it gets down to your own values and what's important to you that you stand up for what you believe in and uh, irrespective of the cost. And I think more and more people are being asked to make a decision. Are they going to just acquiesce and be apathetic and go along with what um, uh, our so-called political leaders want? Or do we express a, a viewpoint in terms of um, what's what we believe is right? Mm. Yeah, it's it's look it's true, um, and it, and it, this is obviously you know there's no by no means are we do we have any answers to any of these big questions, but at the core of it is you have a voice, and I think it needs to be exercised, and it has value, mm. and and just recognizing that that we all have a right to express a view, but it's, it depends on how you do it, and I think we see many instances where people that put alternative viewpoints get shouted down or there isn't a mutual respect in, ter um, in terms of um, uh, being able to having have a dialogue, a mutually respectful dialogue and share information. You may decide that you, at the end of the day you disagree with uh, the viewpoint that's being put, but at least you give each other the opportunity to express their views without being censored or belittled. Um, and I think that's an important thing to do, that uh, in, in, a, in a democracy, we have the right to express um, a counter viewpoint that runs counter to the government or the prevailing view. In the uh, blog post that you read out uh, earlier, uh, from some Crazy Horse blog, uh, blog posts, it 
it made reference to the most important thing is understanding and learning the art of conflict resolution, which got me thinking when we were sort of planning this, uh, this episode, what does that actually mean? What does it look like? And how do we exercise that in our own lives so that we aren't going to war at a, at a personal level with, with others in our lives, uh, you know, whether it be personally or in a workplace or in our communities, what does it actually mean? And, you know, there is much talk about the art of, you know, the, the conflict resolution and the art of negotiation and, and I wanted to sort of really distill it down into just a few things that I thought were really pertinent and really important. And what I, what I sort of come to realise is, I'd say it's about four main areas, four, four considerations, I think, that make resolution possible. And that is when you need to have trust in the other person or the other party. Without that trust, it's very difficult to get to resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think without that, the process is probably going to fail. Yeah, and I think the American Indians, uh, the good example there, where they felt the white man spoke with what they called uh, forked uh, tongue, where they couldn't be trusted and they basically lied. So where you don't have, I totally agree with you, where you don't have that trust, it becomes very difficult to reach a common ground um, and be able to follow through on it. Absolutely. And we've seen it with our own First Nations people here as well. Um, so there is that, you know. And then, and then the next part it would be that, um, that each party has uh, free will to make decisions and to make those choices, um, to put their case forward, um, willingly too, willingly. Um, and then I think the most important just, just on that one, before you go on to the next one, was in terms of free will, it becomes critical that people have the right to exercise their free will. Free will. And it goes back to an earlier program we did on choice and free will. That... Mm. Um, if you're going to reach a compromise on something that you're not being coerced or forced into something, that it is something you freely want to do because you feel you can trust the other party, you've come to a mutual understanding and you've agreed a way forward that doesn't involve war or doesn't involve um, uh, unacceptable uh, consequences, if you like. Yeah, correct. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. No, thanks. Thanks for uh, jumping in there and clarifying that. Absolutely. And then there's a real a need to understand the other party's position. Hmm. And this is where this is where I think it's it's quite significant is stepping away from your own individual desires and needs and your own need for um, for more and as you said you know that need for power but to have a look at the other party understand where they're coming from their values their position their cultures have a real appreciation for that because it's going to be different to yours, which is the reason why you're in conflict is because there's a belief system on both parties that what they're doing is right. So where is that coming from and understanding what that is? Um, and then I think the critical part from that 
is that the solution that we seek and that compromise that you mentioned before needs to be based in a solution that is for the greater good. And that greater good can be not just from an not just for you know a, a nation, but even from an individual. How does so, this decision? Okay, so how, so should an individual who holds um, a certain set of values give up those beliefs and those values because it's put to them in a negotiation or whatever that you need to fall into line for the greater good, and you should not um, do something. Uh, or you should do something because it's for the quote greater good. I I I would have no, but, some problems uh, with that. Yes, no. I think what 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 you're saying is is that the position given to you is to do it for the greater good coming from the other party. What I'm saying is is your decision more than just looking out for yourself. If it yeah. is only looking out for yourself then I'm then I think that's where it could be flawed but I'm not saying blindly accept someone else who uses for the greater good as a means to manipulate you into a into a situation that serves them yeah in that in that case totally agree I think it's about the the greater good of the world and the advancement of man, humankind absolutely and I think upholding we, those values that that that, that yeah. will have a ripple effect across your own lives your families your communities is this a good decision for all yeah, and is it going to result in in more love and compassion and uh, in the world, or is it going to increasingly uh, bring about uh, concentration of power and wealth and, and greed and all those sort of things? Um, I think that's uh, a good. It's a good place to start. Yeah, look, it, <laughs> it needs it, a much bigger conversation in this. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, but I think that the point you're making, Steve, which I totally agree with, whatever we do needs to be for the for the greater good of humankind. And we shouldn't be um, adopting positions that um, just lead to a concentration of power and and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, a lessening of the um, equality in the world and increased uh, inequality and unfairness. Um, we should also mention that at a personal level, the uh, work uh, we we do, uh, you and I, uh, mm. spiritual counselling and Hanuman healing, um, and other modalities certainly can help individuals and uh, families and groups with uh, conflict resolution, uh, trauma, and and, uh, and so on. So, if anyone feels that some of the topics we've discussed here today uh, do, um, uh, they'd like to reach out. Uh, we're just saying, feel free to to make contact with us. Um, just conscious of time, but look, we might just wrap up there, Steve, if if that's okay with you. Absolutely, yes. That's gone okay. quickly. It <laughs> has. <laughs> we um, look. We hope our discussion has given you a lot to uh, reflect on, and uh, and that you've been touched by our music selection, which we've given some thought to. Um, in recognition of this year's Anzac Day commemorations. Um, if anyone's interested in finding out more about our Men With Spirit groups, you can certainly contact us via our Facebook page, which is at Men With Spirit, or you can email us at connect at menwithspirit.com.au. 
If you'd like to suggest some topics that we can cover on these programs, please also make contact. Uh, you can call us on 0390160411. And uh, as always, we'd like to thank uh, Marcus Mulcahy in the background, who uh, does all these behind the scenes magic and without whom this program wouldn't be possible. So thank you yet again, Marcus. Our, um, our final song today to see the program out is the 1962 song by Peter, Paul and Mary. Where have all the flowers gone? We hope you've enjoyed the show today and thanks for being with us. So until next time, from Steve and I, be true to yourself.